0: Broncos all-decade tackle Orlando Franklin. Two-time all-pro linebacker Chad Brown. Former Broncos tight end and New York Times best-selling author Nate Jackson. 104.3 The Fan
1: welcomes you into the Players Club. Ah, This is the Players Club. Morning, happy Monday, merry Monday, to you, as my partner Chad Brown would say. We got the whole Players Club in the house today. What's up, guys? How's your weekend, Orlando? Did you do anything exciting with the kiddos?
2: No, actually, Saturday morning we ended up at the hospital. Say so it had an allergic reaction, so we were in urgent care. Supposed to go check out the Broncos that morning, wasn't able oh. to do it, so. Um, Urgent care, man, we, we got to figure out a way where that could the process could be speeded up a little bit better. But, um, was there for about four and a half hours. Wow, waiting the whole time? Um, partially waiting, then, like, hey, we're gonna give him this, and then we got to wait this out now to see how we react. But yeah, it was just, just a long morning for sure. But um yeah then things started looking up and we were able to kind of get back to the usual and then we just spent the rest of the weekend doing what our kids want to do. What was the uh, if you don't mind me asking what what was the reaction to? Um nuts.
1: Okay. It was did it like slip into something accidentally or did he n- did not know that he
2: Um yeah so we keep a, we've tried to keep a cabinet in our household that's high up that um, has certain little snacks that me and Kiana love and, you know, that Kylo eats as well. But I, I think we're going to just have to kind of get rid of that that cabinet completely and just be a nut-free household because um it has happened one time about eight months ago at a friend's house, and now this just happened at our house. So uh, we are... In strong talks right now of removing that cabinet, and I anticipate we're going to get rid of it later on today.
1: Yeah, you got to get rid of the nut cabinet, man. Yep. Nut cabinet's got to go. <laughs> Why are you laughing, Chad? Because you're making a joke. <laughs> How is that a joke? Because uh, you're a jokey jokeson. No, man. Um, my son's daycare class, so there's, there's, there's certain dietary restrictions for kids in the class, and so you can't pack anything, even in their lunch, that might affect the kids who are in the class. You know, so there's kids with nut allergies there, and so no peanut butter, no peanut butter sandwiches. Which, when you're a dad, that's a pretty easy sandwich to make, right? So you got to do almond butter, and he doesn't really like almond butter. Almond butter's not the same, man. And sunflower butter,
0: I've sunflower never tried. It's
2: not bad. Yeah, it's really? pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> Cashew butter,
0: <clears throat> yeah. There's some nice nut butter out nut butters out there.
1: Why are you laughing? Because <laughs> <laughs> I know why you're going down this road, my friend. Um, and then the the have you ever been on a flight where there's someone with a peanut allergy on the flight so they can't serve peanuts? Yep. They actually don't even serve peanuts anymore. No nope. flights.
2: Is that why? What if someone has a pretzel out? So, like, them? when somebody is, um, getting their flight stuff, they'll say, Hey, I got a, a nut allergy. And that's why all of a sudden there is no, none of the little peanuts. Cause some flights I like, get on and they do have peanuts still. Like, they, like, they'll have the little, um, little, like, saucer thing with the warm peanuts. Oh, you're you talking about first nuts. class. That's the first class,
1: okay? Back at back with the plebes, where we all sit, they just pass out the uh, thing.
2: I thought that was a every flight thing. Can you can you, you, you the request the warm, that? Warm bowl of can you request that? No, no, you
1: can't. You can't even look back. Like they close the curtain. You can't use their
2: bathroom. You can't make eye contact with anyone up there. <laughs> I remember when I was a rookie. I went back to Miami after my uh, after a bye week, and I was flying out of Miami. I get on the plane and I'm flying in the exit row and I get on the plane. And I see DJ Williams in first class and I go to dap DJ up and he's like, get out of here, man. Cause it was embarrassing as heck. And I just went back to my uh, exit row.
1: Exit row is not bad either. You
2: know, you know what's crazy though? They, they, on a lot
1: of these flights now, they, they give you a price and then you got to upgrade to get a, a seat that's even decent. You have to pay money, extra money to be in an exit row. Yeah, which I think is crazy because in the event of emergency, it's on you to save everyone's life. They come down at the, before the flight. They're like, are you willing to assist in the event of emergency? Mm-hmm. And you say, I have to say yes. And then they're like, all right, that'll be $100. That's not fair.
2: Right. They should be paying you to sit in the emergency exit row because you're basically a hero in waiting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wouldn't everybody sit in the exit row if they were paying you to sit in the exit row? Wouldn't that make it bad business for guys like us that are a little bit bigger than an average human being? I'm being facetious about them paying you to sit in the exit row. But the fact that you have to pay extra to have that burden But that's what I'm saying. Even if you don't have to pay that extra to have that burden, isn't that going to make it really crappy for guys like us that need a little bit more? Like when I look for a flight, I'm looking for that exit row. Yeah. I'm trying to get it. And if it's the 30, 35 bucks or or I think I've seen 46, I'm paying it because, you know, this four and a half hour flight, I, I want that extra space.
1: I agree. I agree. What about the armrest? Armrest etiquette on flights, Chad, because you have pointed thoughts about flights. If you're in the middle, do you get both armrests? Uh,
0: you get, yeah, you do, you do. That that's 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 your penance for for being in the, in the middle seat. You you get a chance to have both armrests. Now, as far as the uh, the extra row, do you ever walk by the extra row when you're not in the extra row and go? You're not capable of saving
2: us. (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) I got to back up to this middle thing because what about the Southwest and the middle seat? Those are the guys that are getting on the plane, the people that are getting on the plane last. So now you just, you've been all comfortable if you're sitting on that, at that window for the last 20 minutes. Now whoever comes in there 20 minutes later, you're just giving that thing up, Chad? I've got the window. I've got, I can lean against the wall. I've got
0: my window armrest, which is all mine. Uh, I try to I try to be a good seat mate in, in the best way that I possibly can. Now, I don't want somebody I like I'm like asleep massive <laughs> taking up the armrest and elbowing my arm out the way. But I try to be nice to them for the most part to the, my middle seat person.
1: What about the, on the buses um, when you're going to the stadium or whatever? You know, basically everyone has their own row, but sometimes you have to double up. Right. I would pre- pretend I was sleeping, st- sitting on the aisle, so people would walk past and sit somewhere else. Did you did you, did you have any techniques to just make sure you had the bench or the the two seats to yourself? Oh yeah, I just put my leg, put your on, bag, on, I put my something. bag.
0: Yeah, when I was a player, but once I was a coach and I was doing my internships, expectation was to double up. <laughs> yeah, then I, <laughs> the, the players get the comfort. You as a coach, you get to ride in discomfort. That's how it works, yeah. particularly as a, as an interim coach.
1: Someone on the RamosLaw.com text line. You uh, you ever play with any guys who were af- afraid of flying?
0: Uh yeah, some teammates who had to be uh, drugged up to fly. Oh yeah. really?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who was that? Um, I have to think about to think about that one. See if I can reveal that information. Well, my weekend was pretty fun. I played uh, golf yesterday with. With Mike Evans. I heard Zach, you're out there hitting houses, man. I did hit a house on the opening, opening tee box. See, I
0: lived on some golf courses, and I hated when people would hit my house.
2: Well, why'd you buy on a freaking house on the golf course? No, the, first, the first time you see I did the this. houses in Colorado on the golf course, there's They're some nice. nice houses out there on the hey, golf course. You got a nice you piece of property,
0: it. and you got that green space behind you, and it gives you the, the illusion of more property. Then the next thing you know, your kids got to play outside How? with uh, bicycle helmets on to protect themselves from people like you. <laughs>
1: I mean, it's funny that you're upset that when people start golf, they're not good at golf. When you first start playing golf. Then well,
2: you should go play at a public course where there's no houses by it, my but friend. Uh, also on the flip side, right? you just this get a- to walk out. You know, it's at 630 at night. You get to walk out and, oh, let me go play the 18th hole real quick. You know, because it's it oh, just yeah. right in your backyard. Or you get to give your kids up that lesson at 630 at night because it is a little bit dead at that point.
1: Yeah, Chad. So good and bad, right? Yeah. Good and bad, Stop hitting people's houses, man! <laughs> well, it was a uh, it was a did
2: shock. You a, did, did you dent it? Did you walk up know. to it, it was, and check it out? Was did you find your ball back stuck or stuck you were in a just like, The heck with that ball! It was a very it was
1: a very loud clack. And it was my second shot uh, off the tee box because it was a shotgun start. So, you know, a shotgun start, there's groups, and everybody starts at a different hole at the same time. We were 3A, and so there was a group behind us on 3B who actually was waiting for us to tee off, and they were good golfers. And you could feel the eye of judgment from the good golfers on the dudes <laughs> who suck. Um, this was my first swing of the day, too. I didn't get there in time to warm up, and and Zach Bai also didn't get there in time to warm up. Um, I know Mike did, so Mike kind of carried us throughout the day. But my first shot went way right. Um, and, um, so I took another shot and this one went hard left and that's what hit the house. And it was, it was 8 a.m. on the dot on a Sunday morning. Someone was probably trying to sleep in and their head was probably on that wall having some sweet dream and then <laughs> clock. I, I, I really represented Mike well, so yeah, I was, just I
2: was, hopefully it hit the stone. Hopefully there wasn't no damage to the house.
1: Yeah, no, we drove by. I didn't see any. I didn't hear anybody screaming, so that was good. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, you said you missed training camp practice on Saturday, but um, there was a lot to report from training camp practice on Saturday and on Friday. And kind of what is our what are our expectations as former NFL players of this week, the second week of camp, going into this first preseason game? We're going to dive into Denver Broncos training camp next.
3: One, two, three, four. <music>
1: Get up, get up, get on up You've been admitted VIP entry into The Players Club With Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson Get on up, Get
3: like sex
1: machine It's finally here Get up, It's finally here, guys It's finally here What could I be talking about? It's finally here It's finally
2: Game week, baby!
1: That's right Four,
0: wait. four days from today.
1: You guys have been coaches in the NFL. You've been players, but you've also sat in on those coaching rooms. Is there any game planning going on for this week? Because the, the Broncos play their very first preseason game. It's at Arizona. It's on Friday. Uh, I mean, how much are the coaches trying to win this game? What are they trying to install? You know, they've installed their whole offense What are they going to do and defense? What are they going to do for this game? Are they going to simplify it? Chad, in your, to your experience, what is it like?
0: Uh, in my four internships, I don't think we game planned once for week one. We watched some tape of the opponent or, you know, if it was a new coordinator, just so we could have a general idea of what they did offensively. But there was nothing specific defensively that we changed from our regular training camp install to deal with that opponent. We want to see guys be able to go out there and and execute their assignment based on what we did. It wasn't some suddenly it was game week and we're going to, you know, put in some very specific things to deal with who the Broncos play, uh, the Arizona Cardinals. It was nothing like that. Week one was all about us. All about us. Now, as coaches, we watch the tape just so we could be prepared to deal with any adjustments that we may have been needing to give our guys on the sideline and halftime, things like that. But it, it was literally just, let's go out there and execute the things we've done in practice for the first
2: two weeks. I think things have changed. Right um, now in the National Football League, you, you got three in that football game. So it's not like a lot as far as the grind mode of it. But you might do a little bit in that situation. Now, if I was a team that I'm practicing against somebody this year. The heck with that? What are we game planning for? You know, I'll be able to see my my guys uh, not be able to be script watchers and just see how they will react when – because that's what the big thing is right now. You're not in a controlled environment. You don't get to watch the script. It's all coming in through the helmet, and you're running this thing like a game. And if you're not practicing against anybody, that's one less opportunity.
1: Well, Sean Payton – Answered questions about preseason, and we got to remember that Nathaniel Hackett last year didn't play anybody in preseason, and we were all sounding the alarm there. How are these guys going to be ready to play in September if we don't see them out there in August together at all, doing exactly what you said, doing it without the script? Game situations, no coaches in the huddle, having to memorize the play yourself, not being able to ask, oh, what's what, what are we doing this next play before you run in the huddle? You don't know because coaches are calling it out. Well, Sean Payton was asked not only about Javante Williams, but will the starters play in the preseason? Here's what he said. Yeah, I haven't Dad, shelled it out yet, but they're going to play. We'll, we'll figure out how many
3: snaps. Um, you know, we typically break a game into three phases, first, second, third phase, and then special teams, we might just do two phases. But... We'll have a
1: plan, especially as we get into next week. I've got a few notes written down. So I don't have a pitch
2: count. I don't have an exclusion list as, you know, if, if someone's got a, a light injury that we back, But, I mean, we can expect to see
1: our guys play a little bit. Orlando, I asked Chad this last week on, on Friday when we were doing the show, and you're in there watching practice. Um, any guys on this team you don't want to see
2: playing? That you don't need to don't see don't want to see playing. Randy Gregory. <laughs> hey, buddy, you're, you're injury prone. I don't need you beating up that body anymore. In the course of the game. And, of course, you play with a certain set of violence that you just have not been able to stay healthy. So, Randy Gregory would be a guy for me. And um, maybe Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons. But, but everybody else, let's go out there. Let's get some reps. Yeah. Um, Hey, hey, and I wouldn't be mad at you as, as well if you said, hey, PS2, put on a hat, go eat some sunflower seeds. Would not be mad at that as well. Don't you want Randy Gregory to get some full-speed snaps so he can
0: protect himself, so he can know how to protect himself? Isn't theres not there two sides to that? If you don't play, you don't know, know how to protect yourself? I mean, it, it certainly, it'll keep you safe because you're not playing tonight, but yeah. does it prepare you to play in Uh, on
2: September 10th against the Raiders. I I think that that approach has had to have been taken at some point, Chad, with Randy Gregory, and for whatever reason, it's failed, right? The the four years out there in Dallas, now the one year here with the Broncos. So for me, honestly, I would have a completely different plan for Randy Gregory. I know that he makes probably either the most in in that front seven or the second most next to Zach Allen, don't really have the contracts in front of me. But with Randy Gregory this year, this approach for me, if I'm Sean Payton, I'm telling this guy, honestly, you're playing about 60% of the snaps, 65% of snaps the whole entire season. That's how I'm dealing with them on a week-to-week basis where now you go out there and you're going to play hard and you're going to play tough, but you do no, know you got those that rest coming at some point. His body just has not been able to hold up, so what you have been doing with him in the past has not been working. And maybe they have tried this. But, man, I I just know how much more of a difference maker he is out there on the field. And for whatever reason, he has not been able to finish a whole season.
1: Do you guys think it's the style of play that makes him more susceptible to injury or his body? Because he played a similar position to you, Chad. Mm -hmm. Why does he get hurt so much? Is there, a, I, I, is there like a violent intentionality with his movement that kind of snaps his body in ways? Does he need to be different the way he he's technically is on the football field or is it just what his body is? He certainly plays
0: hard. I, there's no doubt about that. But I, I can't say specifically what
1: the injury
0: issues are, are, are tied to. You know, I know he's missed a lot of football in his career. Some of that due to suspension, some of that due to injury. Um, at some point, if you play enough, you learn how to protect yourself. You learn how to play within your, your body's, uh, boundaries. Uh, and I'm, I'm not sure if he's learned quite how to do that just yet. But it's, you know, I, I can't diagnose exactly what the issue is. If he, if he turns it down two notches, is that, is that going to be enough to keep him healthy? Some guys j- just, you know, are all, always banged up. Professional football is not for everybody. Not everybody's going to be, Joe Thomas and play ten thousand plus snaps consecutively, uh, which was an amazing part of the Hall of Fame weekend. By the way,
1: ten thousand snaps. Did you did you check out the Hall of Fame stuff? Yeah. Is there like a, a little twinge? like you like you? Are you pulled to those those speeches, those moments, like those those highlight tapes? Like, cause cause I didn't watch any of it this 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 weekend. You kidding me? No. These are. Okay, go but ahead. I, but I was but I was with my son by myself. Okay, my wife was out of town. Uh huh. All right.
2: How did that go? Um, it ten went, toes, ten fingers. Yeah, still good. No, it went good, okay. man. The first day was a little rough. Because yeah, you came in here with underwear, toe underwear in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, right. <the> fir- <laughs> the first morning was
1: hard, um, but then I but then I um I got in the rhythm a little bit and we figured it out. But I do want to give a shout out to all those single dads out there who do it themselves. You know, not just for three days, but. For their all for for the their whole lives of the
2: children, single moms sit as well, right? Oh no, absolutely. It, it is extremely absolutely. hard oh, when yeah. you you are by yourself. Yeah, but the single dads it's are like beating fast the whole yeah. entire time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, just
2: trying to get to bedtime, trying to get to nap
1: time. Yep. Single parents, shout out to the single parents. who were able to pull that together. It's like
2: you don't want to take a nap today. Oh, you're taking a nap.
1: You're yeah. staying in there for two and a half <laughs> hours, whether you like it or not. That's right. So. I didn't get to watch this, Chad. so so tell me what what struck you over the moments that uh, that made your heart sing.
0: Uh, DeMarcus Ware's speech was very heartfelt and very DeMarcus Ware-ish. You know, he's always a guy who represents himself well. He did represent himself in the NFL really well. He shouted out Jerry Jones. Um, You know,
1: uh, I thought... Did he shout out the Denver Broncos?
0: He did, yes. Um, Joe Thomas did a great job uh, because obviously Cleveland Browns didn't have a lot of you know, success from a win loss ratio while he was there. Um, but he talked about showing up every day and being there for your brothers. And that's why he played 10,000 plus consecutive snaps because he was dedicated to being available and being the best he possibly could for his brothers lining up with him and next to him. So it was, a, it was a, you know, it, I always enjoy the Hall of Fame because we're going to reward the greats. And I know there's some conversation now about should there be a, an upper
1: room, upper room in the Hall of Fame? What do you think? Uh, no, I don't think so. It's just like, it's kind of disrespectful to the guys coming in. That Oh, they weren't as good as me. I'm Dion, and I was the best ever, so I deserve a bigger room, like an upper room. I think that's disrespectful to the guys.
0: But even within the Hall of Fame, this year was nine guys going in. Some mm-hmm. senior candidates, um, some some modern candidates. But even within the Hall of Fame, there's clearly a hierarchy to it all. Yeah. Um, and there's clearly some guys who are that... Who are this that much better than everybody else? So you, could you say there could be an upper room full of Barry Sanders and Jim Browns and Junior Seau's and Rod Woodsons and Deion Sanders? Yeah, I think that I think you, you could say that. But is it disrespectful to the other guys? I could see where that that thought could happen, but. Uh, right now, just to be admitted, just to be, had to, to be nominated is an incredible honor. So, you know, I've always got my thing about watching and trying to experience and learn from greatness. And these are literally the greatest guys to play the game, so I want to watch them.
2: When you're watching these speeches, you, you've been, you know, it's came up each, the last couple years that you're one of the finalists when they kind of start this thing. And, mm-hmm. um, are you? Do you have a notepad? Do you, are yeah. you taking some notes on some of these speeches? You know, you you speech? might be implementing that in, into your speech maybe one day.
1: And, no. and I'll add to that. Yeah. What do you want me to say when I introduce you?
2: <laughs> uh, no, I'm not taking notes
0: on speeches. Uh, a lot of those guys use the same uh, one or two speech writers who I've met both those guys oh is that right yeah they're you know really awesome dudes I bet um, and they're able to craft a speech that you know fits your wording and how you want to do it but yeah there's a couple guys who most a lot of guys lean on for that um, so I have not taken notes I've got no designs on, on my speech uh, I've got a long way to go if I were, before I could ever wear a gold jacket so uh, yeah no I'm enjoying the ceremony for what it is Not not wishing and dreaming and hoping about my time
1: well, as the show goes on, we are going to workshop that speech for you, Chad. So um, maybe in the second hour we can try out a version, and then in the third hour we can nail down a couple. Can I th- do it in the Sean Payton voice? Yep. Uh, well, we- look, everybody, I'm I'm just an incredible honor and privilege. And when thanks-
0: did Sean Payton become this southern gentleman? It's a little bit of George Bush, and because I mean, it's I'm not doing Sean Payton. I'm doing you. Listen, doing Sean
1: Payton. Listen, look, relative to the practice with the players, I'm not doing it. Southern. Do you hear Southern here? There's a little bit. It's more of a rounding of the mouth and a a pursing of the lips and a lot of pauses. Troy Rank of Denver 7 joins us next. Denver Sports Station
0: 104.3 The Fan presents The Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown
3: and Nate Jackson. Like the legend of the Phoenix.
1: All ends with beginnings. It all ends with beginnings, and this segment begins with Troy Rank. Troy Rank of Denver 7 joining us, presented by ROX Rocks Heating and Air. Troy, were you out of practice on Saturday? Yes, I was, Steve. Okay, so none of us were, and we just sort of wanted to recap, and, you know, I heard that. Obviously, everyone heard that the two-minute drill at the end of the practice was successful and Russell hit uh, Jerry Judy on a bomb for a touchdown, which is great. Music to everyone's ears. Just that connection, how important Jerry Judy is going to be to this offense and the connection between Russell Wilson and Jerry Judy. But that's one play, and the practice is a lot longer than one play. Could you give us your recap of how things went down out there?
3: Yeah, I mean, they built some momentum the day before. I mean, they had a pull with two penalties and then a And then they finished. The Friday practice with a two minute drill for a game time 53 yard field goal from Brett Maher. So, it had some momentum going into Saturday. Seven on seven, that was the sharpest I've seen Russell Wilson look. All the quarterbacks, really, the ball was never on the ground. So, much more crisp. The timing was better. And then in the two minute drill, the first time, again, pre snap penalties remain an issue. But when they had to go down and get a touchdown, Russell throws a 47-yard touchdown to Judy where he climbed the pocket a little bit. One of it, it wasn't his patented moon ball, but certainly put some air underneath it. And it clearly was Russell's best day of camp. And the kind of day you like to see from a guy who's been what a nine time Pro Bowler and on a Hall of Fame track before he got here. So it was, it was that first week of practice, the offense struggled to get completions, let alone first downs and any momentum. So the offense finished, but they still have pre snap penalties. Afterward, Sean Payton was, wasn't giving anyone flowers on the offense because he was still disappointed in the the pre snap stuff. And he doesn't have much patience for that. And he actually admitted that at some point, you just set guys down. I'm not going to keep telling you. At some point, you sit down. And, you know, the idea that there's consequences and accountability is so refreshing after last year.
0: Uh, Troy, you, you talked about those pre-snap penalties. And Sean Payne's got a long list of things he needs to to clean up. And if you're going to win some of these close games that the Broncos have lost over the last couple of seasons, um, penalties, mental errors, those kinds of things start to add up pretty pretty quick on, on the negative column. Um, is there, Are you noticing a difference from the coaching on some of those things from last year to this year? Because as you just pointed out, penalties were an issue on Friday and Saturday. Well, it's
3: a point of emphasis, but what's interesting about it is they're not babying anyone about it. It's like it's a point of emphasis. This is what we're talking about. They stop practice at times to tell them this is what, can, you know, like when you have a two-minute drive, you guys know better than anyone. If you have a pre-snap penalty or a hold, and now you're first and 20, your chances of finishing that drive successfully decrease dramatically. You know, that first down of a two-minute drive is so big to get positive yardage. And so that's the stuff he stresses. He stresses the math of it take the names and everyone out of it. Just look at the math and the formula that if we're first and 20 or second and 15 and two minute drill, you totally eliminate some of the stuff you can do. And that's what he talks about. But he was saying how they have kind of these, this basically a checklist of 45 to 50 things they're working their way through as they get to the season opener So the players are aware of this. And I asked him, do you quiz guys on this? And he said, no, the quiz is when they come out to the practice field, we can tell who's paying attention and who's not. And that's an adult approach to this, that we're not going to baby you. You've got to figure it out. And if you don't, eventually you get to come over on the sideline and coach with me. But what I do see, uh, Chad, is you see practice stopped at different junctures and you see teaching being done. But it's not like, hey, it's okay, guys. Here's what It's no, here's why we do this. Here's the math of it. And if you can't figure that out, you're probably not going to be playing.
2: Troy this is so fascinating to me because when you're dealing with a team that has culture issues and the Broncos have had culture issues the last couple of years this is kind of what you get but then you go and get guys in free agency like a Mike McGlinchey that is like known for jumping offsides that that's kind of been one of the red flags around him so Sean Payton is talking about sitting these guys down but the backup right tackle is a lot less of a player than Mike McGlinchey. So can you see Sean Payton now finding these guys during the course of training camp or using uh, some of these preseason games somewhat like punishment where now these guys have to play a lot longer than expected in these preseason games because obviously this is something that has not been fixed. And you only hurt the football team by sitting down guys that are a little bit more superior than the, the twos are. Yeah, I mean, you
3: would know as an old lineman. Uh, Big O and how that that punishment would work. I think you're right that some of the punishment I think be, you're you going to. Ran to ran
2: I think you could have ran them before Troy, but everybody's conditioning now with Sean Payton after yeah, practice.
3: Right, you're running now. I think you're right though that maybe you hey you're going to play a couple more series in the preseason to make sure we have this down. Maybe part of it is work working with Russell on his cadence. You can do that maybe pre and post practice of making sure the cadence that we're all on the same page that maybe it is, and you would know, but maybe it's not a, you're forgetting the snap count. It's your quarterback cadence and not being in rhythm with him. But those are things you've got to put extra time in. McGlinchey has checked every box as a leader since he's arrived. They call him the mayor. He's already the voice of that line. So they absolutely 100% need him to be, I'm not saying penalty free, but he can't be an issue. Because Bowles is coming off major injury. They're easing him back in. He was not playing well before he got hurt last year. They can't have issues at tackle. We just need to leave Sundays and not be talking about it. It's almost like an umpire where you just you don't notice them. Those are the kind of Sundays they need to start stacking together. They don't have to be all pro. They don't even really have to be pro bowl. Just where you don't really notice them. They're just solid. and I think McGlinchey could figure it out. I, I give him a slight pass. I'm not looking at the history, oh, but... Being gone those three days, he was a little rusty coming back. This is a bigger week. It's game week. Sean Payton told me last week that this is the week when it's fair to start kind of evaluating where they are, especially after the first preseason game. He agreed that that's a fair mile marker to evaluate where they are. So I'm curious to see if some of these mistakes start cleaning up in practice this week.
1: Interesting that McGlinchey has kind of taken the – the leadership role in that room when Garrett Bowles has been here for so long, uh, we'll see how that plays out. Okay, so there was a report over the weekend, Troy, that if if things don't work out with running back Josh Jacobs with the Raiders, Denver would be interesting in bringing interested in bringing Josh Jacobs here. What would that look like? Do you think that's a good idea or do you think that's a bad report?
3: Yeah, I don't see any way in heck that would work. I don't. I mean, you I mean, you take him from your rival, which is always good, and the Raiders again. I mean, it's one thing to be owned by the Chiefs 15 straight times, but to basically lose to the Raiders, what is it, eight of the last nine games, that's just inexcusable. But it's just, why would you do that when he wants a contract when nobody's paying running backs? They already have the highest or second highest paid wide receiver room, so now you're going to add a running back who you're going to have to pay to make happy? It would make no sense. I mean, you've already made the mistake of overpaying your receiver room, so now you're going to overpay a running back room and nobody's paying running backs? And I like Josh Jacobs. If he just played against the Broncos, he would go to Canton. He'd be a first-ballot Hall of Famer. If you look at his numbers against the Broncos, they are breathtaking. But I don't see any validity of that report. Now, look, weird things happen, weird, but they weren't even in on Dalvin Cook. I mean, the reason Dalvin Cook hasn't signed is because nobody has given him enough money or Ezekiel Elliott, so you would move for Josh Jacobs? who's made it very clear he wants big money. It just doesn't make a lot of sense given their roster where Javante Williams is in his recovery. He's looked amazing. And you'd be overpaying at a position where nobody's paying. Good stuff, Troy. I appreciate you joining us as usual, man. You got it too, guys. There
2: he goes. Thanks, sure. Troy. Sure. Wouldn't it be right, though, for the Broncos just to fix the running back situation? Because, you know, Mike Shanahan back in the day, he's the one that said, hey, these guys are dispensable. We don't got to pay these guys. Put anybody back there. Get 100 yards. Get 1,000.
1: Right. So they don't need to pay a guy like Josh
2: Jacobs. So they, now now, they, you, now you, the Broncos fixed that. You know, they did this a couple decades ago, and now they fixed that where it's like, yeah, you pay the running back. So what are you saying? I think the more, the merrier. And Josh Jacobs is by far more superior running back than anybody that we have here right now in this offensive line. And he's struggling, so the more guys that can run this football, the better off this football team's going to be. What do you guys
1: think? Josh Jacobs here? Uh, would he would he fit in a Denver Broncos uniform? We'll have that discussion next.
0: Sports Station 1043, the band presents
1: the Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson.
3: I'll never be a beast
1: of My Happy Monday, everyone. Summer is summer's coming to a close. When is summer really over? I do know the technical, you know, September what twenty second or something like yep. that.
2: Mm-hmm. You gotta yes. turn your mic
1: on mm-hmm. to do radio chat. Oh sorry. That's and when I, it's
2: over technically speaking, yes, that's just like seasonal, seasonal change. change.
1: Yeah. But what's the unofficial end of summer? Is it is it uh, uh it's football. Labor
0: Day. Yeah, when the football starts. Labor is Day. It
1: school starting. Mm. And why does school start so much earlier than it used to? That bothers me. Because the school's like starting like this week. Like my, I, I have friends in you know California who are teachers, public school teachers. Today's the first day of school. And it used to be like almost mid-September, early September. It's at least. mind-blowing. The kids are going back to school in early
2: August. Why do they do that? So they can have more in-service days spread out through the year? Yes. Mm-hmm. Get them in the AC a little bit more, too. Summer's are just hotter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I ain't complaining. I'm, I'm yeah, counting get, down the days. Ready to get these kids days. out of the house? <laughs> back to school. All right. Yeah,
1: summer's not easy for a parent. You got to, like, dial up activities every day, man. <laughs> um, all right, so I asked you guys about Josh Jacobs running back for the rival Las Vegas Raiders who last year led the NFL in rushing with 1,653 yards on the ground. The Denver Broncos, as an entire team, Care to venture
2: how many yards they had as a team? <laughs> as a football team last year, yep. uh, give me 1,300. Chadwick Everett Brown? Uh I'm gonna go
0: 1,400. This is like Price is Right. It's 1,900. Okay.
1: Hmm. So they they actually had more as a team than Josh Jacobs has as an individual, but only by 300. And the Denver Broncos were in the bottom half of the league in rushing yards, 113 rushing yards per game. Um, clearly that has to change and emphasis has to change. Um, on that figure, and that's 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 an important part of this team, and and you do, you wouldn't think that you would have had to build up your rushing running attack so much with a fifty million dollar quarterback. You would think that this guy can make do with whatever, but it, it seems as if. Um, Well, not just seems, it is as if Russell Wilson needs a strong running game around him to be his best as a quarterback. The play-action game has always been an important part of Russell Wilson's game, and last year it just wasn't there. And his numbers reflected that. 60.5 completion percentage. 55 sacks. 3,500 yards in the air and only 16 touchdowns. By far his worst season as a pro. My question to you guys is, look, last year um, Latavius Murray was the leading rusher. He's gone. Melvin Gordon was the second leading rusher. He's gone. So this is going to be an all-new rushing attack. Javante Williams dealing with um, an ACL recovery. Are the running backs in this room right now who are going to be good enough to mask what happened last year and to create... Turn this team into a running team, Chad?
0: Uh, it's less about the running backs and more about the offensive line and more about the play caller. Um, as you know, Mike Shanahan and Alex Gibbs uh, proved, which I did a deep dive into way too many Alex Gibbs videos this weekend on YouTube. Wow. Tell us about it. Oh, man. I
1: mean, just the. So you were, you were deep into the, the football. Of- stuff this weekend
0: yeah i don't think you go much deeper fame. than than you know an hour or two of alex Gibbs youtube i mean it is well, it was, the, the nuance and detail of the inside zone versus outside zone and where he wants to tackle to put his hands i mean it was about as detailed of a coaching session as i've you know been around and i've watched some of his videos before so i was certainly familiar with what i was going to be getting myself into
1: as but a it was defense, fascinating yeah that was sorry to cut you off but as a defensive player would it have been helpful for you to see that stuff when you were playing to see how they teach it to the offensive linemen?
0: Absolutely, because Alex Gibbs gives he in some points he you know gave away, well, when this happens that kills this play. Mm-hmm. When this happens, that gives this play no possibility. So, now of course the scheme was incredibly successful so this, these things I mentioned that he mentioned um, didn't happen very often. Obviously Terrell Davis and backs after him continue to have a tremendous amount of success. So uh It was still very difficult to shut those things down. Um But, uh, yeah, I would have loved to have had a, a, some of those tips so I could have said, hey, you know, they're going to be running this. If we get our five technique up the field
2: or if our edge guy compresses it, then well, that gives us a shot to, you know, stop this play. You know, oftentimes in the NFL, we get caught up in paying a guy because this guy has potential. We want to pay this guy because what this guy is going to do. And sometimes you pay that guy and the guy does absolutely nothing we paid Cortland Sutton. Last year, we we're talking about, you know, has he lost a step? And that was, what, year two of that contract that yep. we paid him, right? We paid um Tim Patrick. He's been injured the last couple of years. Heck, the Broncos have tried to pay a right tackle since 2013, since I left that position, and they still haven't figured it out. There hasn't been a right tackle that has played two consecutive years for the Denver Broncos since that span. When I look at a guy like Josh Jacobs, he's a two-time Pro Bowler. He's a one-time first-team All-Pro. Uh, NFL Russian leader this past season, right? 2022. Yep. Jim, Border, Jim Brown award in 2022. Uh, PFWA all-rookie Ameri- all team in 2019. Last season, you talked about it, Nate, rushed for 1,653 yards on 340 attempts. 12 touchdowns, 53 receptions for 400 yards. In his career, four seasons so far in the NFL, he's rushed for 4,740 yards. And on 1,072 attempts, 40 touchdowns. This guy is that dude. He's been that dude. So if you have an opportunity of being in on that dude because his team won't pay him, I don't know how you, not, you say no, especially when he's been doing it on behind a makeshift offensive line that he's had out there with the Raiders for a couple years out of those four years that he's been there. What would you feel comfortable paying him? What would I feel comfortable paying Josh Jacobs? I, I would have to look more at the running back market right now. Christian but McCaffrey, 16 million bucks a year? 16 million. I think if Christian's 16 million, I would look at Josh Jacobs a little bit underneath because of what Christian does in, in the passing game. Mm-hmm. Right? He's electrifying. So if you're telling me Christian's at 16, I'd give 14 and a half to Josh Jacobs. I'd give him a, a nice five-year deal with two of those guaranteed because I'm only looking at the guaranteed, right? And I'm looking at this guy for the next two years. Can he help his football team? Broncos spent a whole lot of money on that offensive line. And right now, that's one of the biggest question marks out there at training camp, is this offensive line. When I see Russell Wilson running around and trying to throw the ball down the field and not having success, I see that offensive line. It's almost like popcorn, where you get a turn to rush the quarterback. You get a turn. These guys, this defense is coming in waves right now. We got Nick Benito, who I had some serious questions on going into this season. Can he set the edge? Can he rush the pass? Or can he transition? It looks like Dwight Freene out there and these are experienced tackles that he's going against. So right now, I am I am very concerned about this offensive line, but also the big thing is fixing Russell Wilson. You know you fix Russell Wilson with a strong rushing attack.
1: So would you be concerned at all because you, you listed off those numbers, he's got over 1000 career carries. And we've talked about how, you know, teams will look at these guys and how much tread they have on their tires if they're going to pay him. The, the Raiders have clearly used him quite a bit. Would you be worried that he might be already had peaked last year and is going to be on cuz cuz if 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 historical precedent is true in this case as well running mm-hmm. back you talked about Todd Gurley how quick he fell, fell off right yep. when the wheels fall off they fall off they
2: quick they fall off yeah
1: and they're going to happen at some point um would you be concerned about that at all with Josh
2: I think that with every player you you look at that you fall into that category but I just know the Broncos philosophy the last couple of years paying guys because of their potential when there are flaws, like just because you paid Mike McGlinchey $50,000 doesn't mean that he does he's not going to jump off sides and he's, he's fixed, um, his, um, ability to, to now cover up a guy that's going to go speed to power or, or edge rusher that's faster. He's still stressed out out there, right? Just because you pay Ben Powers this money doesn't mean that you snap your fingers and all of a sudden he could pass protect. He has to work it. That, that's been a flaw of his game. I look at Josh Jacob at the end of the last year running back that had it figured out didn't look like he was declining so for me that's why i'm 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 going the opposite way some guys now you you do pay them because of potential but those guys that you pay because of potential should be guys that have been in your building the whole entire time right where you've seen them take steps forward each and every year josh has been proving it since day one so samaji p ryan would still be the one
1: two and and would you be moving on from javante williams at that point
2: Man, the last couple of days I've seen Javante Williams, it looks like Javante has lost his step to me. I don't know how that knee's going to hold up. He's coming off an ACL injury. Josh Jacobs is, is my security blanket for a guy like Javante Williams. I think Javante could be a heck of a football player in this league, but we have no idea how this ACL is going to respond. Heck, Jamal Murray, 550 days. Right. And, and people were mad and upset about him in this city talking about, you know, is he not get, uh, why is he not getting back out there? It, it's a him thing. But then he, when he does get back out there, they go and win the championship. So he waited that thing out. You might have to take that approach with Javante because right now he doesn't look like when we started training camp, but we don't know when he's going to look like that again because of a, of a serious knee injury.
1: Yeah, he was ready to go on day one, but as the soreness, you know, and the pounding and the impact and the cutting, maybe he's got some swelling. Maybe he's realizing that, hey, it wasn't quite as ready, uh, as before. Um, ah, from the ramoslaw.com text line, would Russell Wilson take a pay cut to get Josh Jacobs here? Would you do that, Russell? We'll talk about that next.